Hey, so I'm so excited. I want to share with you about one of our new sponsors, Starglow Media. They have this amazing show for all of you with younger kids called Mysteries About True Histories. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers and on adventures through time packed with puzzles and hidden equations, histories, and laughs. You all know Alana, our co-founder at Sproutable. She listened to the show with her seven-year-old and loved it. They would pause the show and try to figure out the math problems together, loved learning about different cultures and the histories around the world. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and so much more. Math is geared Math is what they call it. Math is geared towards kids six and over, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. Episodes drop every Thursday, and they're about 15 minutes, perfect length for the car rides, mealtime, break time, bedtime. Each episode is stacked with so much laughter, and your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories math with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, episode 82. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast. I'm so excited that it is March and we are inching our way towards spring. Yay, right? Yay. I'm ready to be done with this winter thing. Hi, how is everyone out in Parentland? I hope things are going well. Things are really good over here in the Aurority world. Um, enjoying the ride with my kids. Things are, we're in a groove. You know how sometimes you're just in a groove and everything seems to be going well. And even when things aren't going well, even when there's some eye rolling or maybe some sassy back talk, it just doesn't sting quite as much. That's where we're at. It's pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet. And, uh, you all know that I have adolescents here at home, an 11-year-old son and a 14-year-old daughter. My guest today is a parent coach who really appreciates writing and working with people who are raising adolescents. So that's what we're going to be talking about is um, supporting and loving our adolescent kids, specifically through this whole crazy world of smartphones. So uh, Kim Minch is here. She's a certified Jai parent coach. And like I said, her favorite population is parents of preteens and older. Kim wrote a really sweet book about her own parenting journey in 2011, a memoir entitled My Mother's Footprints, A Story of Faith, Common Courage, Patience, and Grace. And she's been published on all sorts of different sites. She is passionate about educating, supporting, and encouraging parents to raise adolescents through peace of mind parenting. And we're going to find more out more about her during the interview. She's going to share with us her story um, of raising her own kids. And um, yeah, that whole smartphone thing. Oh my gosh. I actually gave some advice to my daughter this morning about, you know, being available. She's got a new boyfriend. Yikes. And, um, I just said, you know, you could, you don't have to always be available. You know, if he's playing video games with his buddies, you don't need to be FaceTiming him. And she looked at me like, what do you know? Rolled her eyes and said, mom, they didn't have FaceTime when you were a kid. <laughs> as that, you know, as if that negates anything I could possibly know about being 14 and liking a boy. Anyway, yeah, in it, in it over here, in it to win it. And I know you are too. So stay tuned, listen in. Even if you have littles, there is, this is good entertainment, right? And this is in your future. Like who knows what your two-year-old will be wanting, needing, asking for in 12 years. So 
Yeah, I'm excited. Let's meet Kim. Hi, Kim. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast. Hi, Casey. Thank you so much for having me. I am so glad that you are here. Please share with the listeners a little bit of your journey to doing what you do. Sure. Well, I am the mother of five children between the ages of 10 and 30, four boys and a girl. And um, I am also a parenting writer, a a certified parenting coach, and a lover of all parents of adolescents. And I guess that's because my kids are within that age range, you know, the um, teen to young adult age range. Um, And I want to help parents of this population really embrace their relationship with their adolescents as opposed to white knuckling the way through, because I think a lot of parents do that. Uh, I kind of came to this because my own parenting journey back in November of 2008, I received a phone call from my oldest son, who was then Um, on his way to 20 years old or about 20 years old, who said, mom, I've been in a blackout for three days and this isn't the first time it's happened. So it was my parenting wake up call to find out that he had spiraled into an addiction to alcohol. And that obviously caused me to really look at my own parent child journey with him in particular, but with all of my other kids as well. So I'm proactively trying to help parents never have that phone call that I received that was that wake up call. Do you understand? Yeah, totally. I Nobody wants that call. And it's interesting <laughs> that that's part of your story because I recently have um, a, a friend of mine on Facebook who was sharing about Um, his daughter and her struggle with addiction. And um, what struck me beyond just the depth of of her story was the abundance of comments that his post generated, majority of which were people sharing about their own experiences with their kids, their loved ones who were struggling with addiction. Mm -hmm. And, um, so it's really interesting that, you know, that, that you're bringing up that as part of your story, because it's on my mind. I'm, that's not what we're going to talk about today on the show, but, um, thank you for sharing that. I think it's really powerful (laughs) when, (laughs) when other parents realize that the parent educators, the parent writers, the coaches that we're having our own experiences and course corrections and deep reflections in response to, um, our kids experience as well. I I think that that's really, that keeps the conversation really honest and valid. So thank you for sharing that. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm so excited to have you on, um, and for the discussion we're about to have, because one of the things that you recently wrote about on your blog was about navigating some decisions with your adolescent daughter, the 11-year-old. She's 11, right? Yes, she is. Uh (laughs) Around technology. And I think this is such, (laughs) talk about real and relevant, right? This Mm -hmm. is such a, you know, this conversation is coming up all the time in my own life with the people I work with, my friends, and specifically about like, when is the right time? Should I get them a smartphone? you know, and my son has an iPod touch, which is pretty much a smartphone, you know, Mm -hmm. even though in my mind, I've told myself it's not. Um, Can you tell the listeners a little bit about uh, just your story around this and what um, inspired you to write your posts? Absolutely. Well, so from the beginning, um, raising four boys and then having the daughter at the end has been totally different. I mean, it's just, you obviously just in general relate differently to boys than you do a daughter, I think. And there she's, she's different in not only in the clothing that she wears and what she wants to do and whatnot, but her social life. So my oldest son, I've, I've really watched electronics and social media 
um, progress through my children's lives. With my oldest son, he was 16 when he got a flip phone and um, a car along with that. And then younger sons were 14, 15-ish when they got their flip phones. Well, with my daughter, of course, smartphone is what she wants because she wants to be involved in social media because that is the way she and her friends are communicating, which is, is nothing new. I'm sure every parent you know, of a middle school, high school student struggles with the decision of when is it the right time and how much... Um, how much access do we give and that kind of thing. So this was my yeah. struggle with my own daughter um, because uh, quite frankly, all of all, but one of her friends already had smartphones. They were given the smartphone either during elementary school or when they graduated from fifth grade last year. So part of my personal <laughs> journey as a parent so crazy. was so crazy was to, was to release really I, I was I, quite frankly I was mad at other parents for a while because I'm yeah. like seriously people we have to like we we're in a sisterhood here ladies you know are we not mm-hmm. trying you know why are we giving too much too soon because because you hear horror stories right and so I was living in this anger and fear place when it came to her wanting to have this phone. And and this went on, you know, for several months. This wasn't just like came to me one day and said, Hey mom, can I have a phone? This was her demonstrating in a number of ways, how it would be helpful to her, you know, how this is how her friends communicate and things like that. So I had to really work through my own personal feelings of being angry at other parents for, the choices that they made, like feeling personally, you know, victimized in some way by other parents, which when you really think about it is, is, is very silly. Um, I do a lot of reading about social media and kids. And Mm -hmm. so taking that into consideration as well, but then above all else, my journey to the idea of giving her the iPhone was that if I waited until I was ready it, it wouldn't be quite honestly, it wouldn't have been for a couple more years. And in that mm-hmm. time period, I knew how important this method of communication was with her friends and whatnot. And the buildup of resentment that could take place during that time period wasn't worth it to me. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, um, totally. It was, I was coming from like this place of wanting to control or how do I say this, yeah. you know, wanting to control. be in <laughs> control when she, when we have a great relationship, she and I have a great relationship. We have a great relationship with her dad. We have a, you know, we have a very good relationship. We're very open with our communication. And so I decided to spin it and look at it in another light. And that is not that we give her free reign, not that she, Hey, here's the phone. You know, there's no, nothing attached to it. You can do whatever you want on it. We totally trust you. We're not that, that that's not the way we're headed. We're heading Mm -hmm. into it by using the phone as a way to build a circle of trust between she and my husband and myself during her adolescence, really a vehicle. Instead of looking at it as this like tool of potential destruction, we're looking at looking at it as a vehicle for us to build a circle of trust and communicate even better. Love that. Kim, I think that that is so important, what you just said, that shift in perspective, right? Because I completely hear you around the resentment and then coupled with the fear. And I even am, you know, I got found plenty of mischief as a adolescent. And so I also, what weaves in for me at times is like, oh, I know what you're going to want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Forgetting that actually the person, the human I'm looking at is not me. It's a whole Correct. nother human who has had a very different experience of life than I had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and there is a dance there, isn't there? I mean, the dance between, you know, holding that boundaries, like holding our values, our boundaries, while also choosing into relationship with our kids, which doesn't mean that everybody is super lovey-dovey and happy with each other all the time. 
And sometimes I think that we as parents see it as an either or. It's like, well, I either choose you, I choose relationship, or I choose to hold boundaries. When really it's what I'm hearing you say is it's a both and. And you, in one of your articles, you referred to to it as conscious parenting in the context as of being mindful and walking the tight, I love this, walking the tightrope between giving them (laughs) autonomy and knowing when to step in and help them see potential consequences to their choices. Like to me, that is a, it's messy, right? It's messy and that's just the nature of it. It's messy. And as in a tightrope, sometimes you fall off and you have to, you know, gather yourself up and get back on. And I think what's most important in that whole tightrope. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God. Spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.activeskinrepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Uh, Story or that whole... um... Mm -hmm you know, the whole example is that we're honest with our children and we're open. And as parents, being conscious in the relationship of parent-child means that we know ourselves well enough. Like you said earlier about um, knowing what kind of mischief you would have gotten into and whatnot and and learning that that was your mischief, okay? That was your and not projecting that onto your child, you know, assuming that they're going to do the same thing. And I think a lot of parents spend adolescence in fear because they remember all too well what they went through. And and that's not to say that we should be totally ignorant of challenges that kids or trouble that kids can get into today. I mean, I, Obviously, I am the last person that would say, hey, you know, go ahead and be naive because your kid's not going to do anything. I think the most important Hmm. thing is that we build these connections with our children that allow us to get to know who they are and meeting them where they are and not creating kind of a control and dominant atmosphere so that there is friction. Yeah. Yes. 
I really appreciate that. And it's, it speaks into my own experience and the work that I feel like I'm continuously doing in my parenting practice, because I have, I have two kids. My daughter is, will be 14 next week. Crazy. And my son is 11. And, um, our, our, our phone journey has been that, um, you know, she started asking around fourth or fifth grade and we were like, are you insane? Why would we do that? And then, um, and then the, the agreement was middle school, you can have a dumb phone. And Mm -hmm. so she had a dumb phone for a couple of years. Then the end of seventh grade, it worked out. Whereas I had to upgrade my phone. And so she ended up with my, my old iPhone. And now I have a son who's in fifth grade who's not on social media. He does have an iPod touch, which, you know, like I was saying, I think before we started to record might as well be an iPhone. It just can't call people that don't have instant, you know, instant Mm -hmm. messaging through Apple or whatever. He is already having, you know, when do I get a phone and when do I get a smartphone? And, and, uh, (laughs) I know it's annoying to them, but you know, my, the smartphone conversation in our house is really like, I can't give you a definitive answer because I don't Mm -hmm. know what's going to be going on in your life at the end of seventh grade or the beginning of ninth grade. So we're just going to roll with it and you, we're just going to keep on keeping on and, and you're going to get to show us all sorts of things about who you are and, and what would be appropriate for you at the time, you know, by the choices you make and not so much like, well, you need to earn it or, not that as much as just simply let's see who you are in seventh grade. Let's see if this is the right fit for you. Um, and you're an active participant in that, right? I totally agree with you, Casey. And, and, and what the thing about it is, um, going into this cell phone discussion with my daughter, it wasn't just her whining and saying, I want the phone and whatever. It was really watching, who she is in general, knowing who yeah. she is in general. And, and we know that, that there was a lot of conversation going into her getting a phone and there will continue mm-hmm. to be a lot of conversation around that as we navigate the phone use so far. And now she's only had it a couple of weeks, but she's been super great about keeping to the safeguards that we've put in place for her without our even saying anything about it. So I continue to believe that as we move along in this, I am going to come from a place of connection rather than fear about Mm -hmm. the phone and scaffold her social media use. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like we have, for example, um, Snapchat, she has only for our family and she understands Mm -hmm. that only, and it's a great way for our family because I've got three older sons that live in three different locations. And it's so much fun for us as a family to be able to communicate with each other that way. It really, and, and the older boys, that's kind of how they communicate. Right. So, uh, so it's a great thing for us to have, but we keep it within the parameters at some point. Could she add some friends? Potentially. But right now, this is what she knows. She totally understands that. And I think actually, to be honest with you, her being 11 and being who she's shown us to be so far works to our advantage because, um, again, if we had waited longer and resentment you know, would build Mm -hmm. up. And then there's that chance for, you know, them to become somewhat sneaky with what they're doing. And I will not, I have watched, I've watched too many families play a cat and mouse game where you do this and I'm going to put this parameter on you do this, you know, and I am not getting involved in that with any of my children because uh, it just, it doesn't ever turn out well. Yeah. Well, I, to- I, so you are so speaking to me and I, I totally get that as well. And, um, and yeah, I get in the scaffolded piece. I mean, Rowan, my daughter, you know, she was all excited about Instagram. And so, and I, I fell on, I, I used to my advantage, the rule that they have to be 13, according mm-hmm. to the website, even though she's rolling her eyes at me and, <laughs> you know, like, mom, you don't really have to. And I'm like, well, we're just going to say 13. And, you know, and and as 13 approached, the conversation was the door is going to, is going to open a little bit. Like the door is going to open enough for Instagram and we're just going to hang out on Instagram for a while. 
right? Mm -hmm. We're going to hang out on Instagram for a while. And then we can start having, you know, after many, many months and practice and exploring, we get to have conversations about other forms of social media. And, and, you know, it's interesting. Um, I hear what you're saying about if you do this, then this is going to happen. And the resentment and that buildup. Mm-hmm. And I, and I also want to say we did have a situation where there was, um, you know, everything was really, really good until it wasn't. And some sneakiness did show up. And at that point it was time to just take a break and, um, and put the phone away for, an, uh, a, there was a week where she had no phone and a couple days into it, she said, I feel so free. Wow. Like it wasn't, it was amazing. And it wasn't a big, like, give me her phone. Rah, rah, rah. You know, it wasn't that mm-hmm. she was very emotional around it. My husband and I somehow miraculously stayed really calm and just matter of fact, but it was, t- it was time for a break. And then mm-hmm. from there, there was an extended break from social media. And, um, and she was very, you know, and I think what you're talking about relationship, because we have such an open and honest relationship and transparent relationship. Mm-hmm. She was, of course, completely irritated by the boundary, right? By the limit setting. And it, and it wasn't a fight. It right. wasn't a fight because right. it was just like, you know what? I think that she recognized like, wow, I really screwed up. Um, I think the break allowed her to see just how attached to this little device she was. And she got to reset that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that um, what I have found is, and it wasn't like early on, we said, okay, you can have this, but if you do this, you're going to be in big trouble. Mm-hmm. One, because I expect, I expect that they're going to make some mistakes, that they're going to push the boundaries, right? That's what the boundaries yes. are there for, for them to know where the limit is and then push up against it so they can learn. And I right. like that tightrope is coming back to mind. And not only do we fall off the tightrope, but they fall off the tightrope sure, too, right? Sure. And this sure. is and- a beautiful time for them to be doing that so that we can support them and hold them and love them through the consequences of their choices. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and it's, you know, knowing, so did you have, I'm just curious, did you have some kind of a formal agreement contract or whatever that when your daughter got the phone, you kind of went through or what was the process for you? Great question. So the process for us was creating an agreement together and there was a lot of offer counter offer Sure. Situation. So then in the end, both of us felt satisfied with, um, with the access, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, yeah. And then, and, and that agreement and that, and I, and I've talked a lot about this on the shows, whenever I make agreements with my kids, they work until they're helpful until they're not. And then we revisit the agreement and we tweak it. So it's not necessarily this will be our agreement until you leave the house as much as it is. Mm -hmm. This is what's helpful right now. This is what we're going to play with. Mm -hmm. And when it's no longer helpful, we're going to take a look at it and see where we can course correct. Both of us, myself. And so that is definitely, you know, and there were things that I didn't consider. There were things I was naive to, even though I knew better and uh, like letting her have her phone in her room overnight she was really mm-hmm. like, mom, I use it as an alarm. And in the beginning, the first few months, absolutely. I know that that was the case and she'd put it away. But then she got into this period of time where she was texting late into the night and she wasn't doing anything, you know, it wasn't like well, yeah. anything wrong or, but or she weird. she should have been sleeping. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so that was, and I got to say to her, you know what? I'm so sorry. I didn't push on this because I, I didn't want, I did the discomfort of the quote fight. I kind of gave in. And I, so I got to say, you know what? I'm sorry. Because I knew that this was, this was an important piece, but I, I let it go. And I'm so glad that nothing terrible has happened and that we're, and now she, she puts it out in the hallway and that's where it is. And I see it when I go to bed. And again, she has said, it's, I like putting it out in the hallway because then I don't have to work really hard to stay off of it. 
Right, really. It, it actually so, is. I think I can see her point in terms of it being like kind of a freedom type of thing. Yeah. You know, when I mean, you and actually as parents, you know, when we build in the safeguards like no phone in the room after, you know, no phone access after nine o'clock or it'll, uh, it will be on the charger at nine o'clock in the kitchen right. or whatever. We help them. I mean, it really, our right. kids, as much as they roll their eyes and, and tell us that we're being too protective or whatever, if we put in reasonable safeguards and boundaries that help them explore who they are while also keeping some, you know, keeping a watchful eye, I guess I would say that, not hovering, but keeping a watchful eye on potential problems that could come up by putting in things like, you know, um, no access after nine o'clock or, you know, mm -hmm. you must put the phone away while you're doing homework. That's one of my daughters. And actually she came up with that. And again, sitting down together, I think is a key, key piece to um, drafting an agreement that everyone can start with. And then again, seeing if that isn't working, revisiting and knowing that either party can revisit and talk through mm -hmm. those things. It's really, I think the most important thing is to be able to have open conversation around social media, the phone, and also a conversation um, about really being kind. I We ended up drafting a letter to our daughter that not only outlines some safeguards, but also talks about building a circle of trust as she goes through her adolescence. And I think actually the three of us sat down, we read it together, we let her digest it and think of any questions she had. We revisited it a couple days later, and then all three of us signed the letter. Um, and we have it sitting in our kitchen on the bulletin board as a Mm. you know, a reminder that we can refer to should we need to. Again, it hasn't it hasn't been an issue. And I don't expect that we will have no issues at all with her and the phone use during her teenage years. I think that would be crazy to think that we're not going to, you know, yeah. enter some bumps in the road. But the idea is that we always talk through these things and work through them because my goal with all of my kids kids is to have long-term relationships where they're going to want to come home and visit even after they're uh, long out of the house. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, totally. You know, that they'll, they'll want to, they'll always want to want to come home and want to hang out with us. Not, you know, not, not because we don't have any rules and we become their friends, but because that we're, they know that we are a hand in hand guide for, and have their best interests, you know, at heart. Yeah. Well, and circling back to that first story that you shared as you were introducing yourself, I mean, it says something about the relationship that you had with your son, that you were somebody that he called. Yes, right? I, I think you're right about that. And I didn't, when I got the call, was I shocked? Yes, I was shocked. But I didn't, there's two things I didn't do. I didn't wallow in, why me? Or, you know, how did I contribute to this? I was curious about how I had contributed to it, but not taking, you know, not uh, taking like a blame or shame kind of stance. And the other thing I did was I talked about it with other people. I did not feel there's so much stigma that can be related to addiction and whatnot. And I just made mm -hmm. a decision that this was a part of my parenting journey and I'm not going to hide that. In fact, to be honest with you, I don't know if anyone else would call addiction with their kids a blessing in disguise, but it really was for our family because it really not only opened our parent-child relationship, but it, it caused me to think about the kind of connection or relationship I want to have with all of my kids and the behavior that I'm modeling for them be it stress relief or, you know, just, mm -hmm. just my behavior in general, you know, what's, what is that saying to our, you know, our kids? Yeah. Well, and bringing it back to technology use. Yes. Yes, yes. absolutely. <laughs> that too. That, that we, is, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I, I, it's funny because when I like right now, right, right now today, I, there is tension around what I'm noticing, how often the phone is in my daughter's hand. And mm -hmm. at the very same time, how much time I am giving to my own technology use, which is tricky and messy because I work online. 
So it's really easy for me to say, well, I'm working. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, and it's, it, it, it's such a mirror. It's such a mirror when I'm over my limit, when I'm allowing distraction and disconnection through my own use, I'm also noticing it with my kids and it's very, Mm -hmm. it's so uncomfortable and it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful hit that, okay, here we are again. Nope. I'm not going to judge. Like you said, no blame, shame time to reassess, time to reconnect, time to look at those agreements and tighten them up or tweak them or make them applicable to right here, right now, because something is off. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Right. And that's the thing about it is I think in one of the two posts that I wrote about social media use, I said in giving the phone to my daughter, it really makes me accountable to my own behaviors and actions. And it is, Mm -hmm. it is another tightrope in in the world, right? Because we, um, I'm on social media because I do writing and I want to connect with my readers and things like that. Mm -hmm. That's super important to me. However, I have to be very present of mind about what I'm modeling as well. So, um, giving her the phone is just a reminder to me, actually, you know, it's, it couldn't be a bigger reminder than that to moderate my own use. And then the other thing is mm-hmm. what I do when, when the kids are home and if I happen to be in my office and working and whatnot, should they come in? I immediately, doesn't matter what I'm in the middle of, I will turn away from the computer, meet them eye to eye and talk to them. I just, I think that eye to eye contact is super important and in, in being yeah. present to what they're saying in the moment. Plus we usually work through whatever it is they want or need quicker <laughs> if I turn yeah. away and t- <laughs> pay total attention than if I, you know, kind of pretend I'm listening and continuing to do what I, you know how that is with kids. <laughs> Yes, I do. Or you or you answer them while you also are on your device. And then later on, why did you do that? Well, you told me I could. When did I tell you that? When you right. were in, you know, it's like, oh, shoot. <laughs> Darn it. So yes. Kim, if somebody is listening right now and they are recognizing that there's some work to do here um, mm-hmm. with, you know, perhaps they're, you know, they're in a situation where, the, you know, the technology use is, needs to be reined in. What do you, what would you say would be the first step, um, toward, you know, with the, under the umbrella of conscious parenting, what do you think a first step would be for that parent to do with their child? Uh, I think the first step actually starts within the parent and that is getting very honest with yourself about what's, you know, 
is it is it the amount of time is it the exposure that they're getting what you have to be first and foremost very honest with yourself about what it actually is going on with regard to the phone the phone use or social media use. Okay. So get, mm-hmm. get aligned with what that is for you and then enter into an open discussion with your child about their use, how much time and whatnot. And then you've got it. And I think nothing beats being totally honest with your kids about, Hey, here's what I've noticed. Here are my concerns as your parent Part of my job is to make sure that, you know, that you are exposed, but not overexposed. So here's what I've decided that is going to take place from here on out. And really it's about the energy the parent brings into it because you can come from a place of fear and, and just pulling the phone away and whatnot. And that is only going to cultivate an atmosphere of distrust and, you know, um, frustration on both people's parts, you have, your energy has to be in the right place mm-hmm. and with the right intention as you enter into this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And would you offer as well the opportunity for your child to, to counter offer? Like, I think well, so. Okay, I mean, I, I think, see where you're, yeah, yeah. I yeah. I mean, I just, I, um, <laughs> well, and it, I don't know if you depends on the child, the depends on the situation. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, and I, I don't know if you've seen the documentary Screenagers, but it's an excellent, excellent um, documentary about teens and screen use and really working hand in hand. Again, I think with anything with regard to parenting adolescents today, if you come at it from the idea that we're working hand in hand together, as opposed to yeah. these are my rules, you will follow this, I pay for the phone, blah, blah, blah. You know, this just never goes anywhere good. You have to, you know, your, your child has to understand that you're coming from a place that has their best interests because you know who they are, you know, developing right. that connection. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Well, my last question that I always like to end with, with all of my guests is, what does joyful courage mean to you, Kim? <sighs> joyful courage, Casey, means to me, Embracing your authentic self with enthusiasm and being brave enough to share that with the world. And I think it is an everyday practice. Love that. Thank you. That's beautiful. Yay. I love that you so asked where can, me. Well, I know. I, you know, it's so fun to ask that question because it's always a different answer for the different guests, but it's always. And I, and it's funny because even as I say, oh, I love that. I realize in my mind, I think like, God, I always say that, but it's true. Like I say that (laughs) with total authenticity. So where can listeners find you and the work that you do? Well, you can learn more about my 12 week parent guidance program and follow my blog at reallifeparentguide.com. That's one L. So reallifeparentguide.com. Um, you can also, I'm also on Twitter at moms or mom for real, M O M number four, R E A L Z, mom for reals. I like it. Anywhere else? Are you on, are you on Facebook? Are you on Instagram? Come on. I am. I do. I, I am. on. I, you're right. I'm on Facebook at uh, real life parent guide on Facebook. I also okay. run a Facebook community called real life parenting community that parents of tweens and teens can join. And in there, I put not only my own articles, but I've actually got um, different therapists teen therapists and um, some social media experts, uh, you know, that are in there answering questions and problems and putting their own articles in there as well. So that's real life parenting community on Facebook. Awesome. I'm going to make sure listeners, you know, that all of those links are in the show notes. So it'll be easy for them to find you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Casey, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. I really appreciate it. It's such a topic that's like super important and prevalent in, in, in everybody's life, right? Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that nice? I really love when I get to interview people and I feel like, oh, now I have a new friend. 
That's definitely how I feel about Kim. So enjoyed that conversation. So excited that she could share about her experience and her perspective for all of you and, and me. Awesome. Loving it. So all of the links and the, yeah, the links where to find Kim is all going to be available in the show notes. I'm just going to share a few things now that are happening over here at Joyful Courage headquarters. Some of it, some of it are things that you have been listening to me talk about for the last few weeks, but I still want you to stick around and listen in. All right. So the feed 3000 campaign remains strong and it is so awesome. I've been seeing pictures from listeners and members of the community who are showing pictures of their kids and all the bags that they've created uh, to take to their local communities just makes my heart feel so good. And there is a Feeding America link where if you just want to donate $10, $10 feeds 110 people one meal. What? Yeah, it's crazy. So links in the show notes. Um, also, something I haven't really mentioned lately is I am still on a mission to impact 1 million kids this year. Yeah, 1 million kids. And I had a milestone a couple of weeks ago. The podcast reached... 100,000 downloads total, super celebration around that, super celebration around that. And it's all because of you, because you tune in and listen, and then you share. So can't do it without you. I am so happy to be creating something and contributing to your parenting journey. It just makes me giddy. So impact 1 million, right? Impact 1 million by the end of 2017. Join me. Join me. Create the hashtag. Well, the hashtag exists, so use it. Yeah. I also want to let you know that right now I have a program that's free, that's open to everybody, and it is called Journey to Joy. And it's just a little three part program. And it's, you know, it really dives into that internal experience that I talk about a lot growing the pause really growing awareness around what actually is happening in those challenging times of day. Journey to Joy is a program you can sign up for. It's free and you can find more about it at www.joyfulcourage.com slash journey dash to dash joy. So www.joyfulcourage.com slash journey dash to dash joy. And even as I say it, I'm really hoping that's the link <laughs> or I'll have to re-record. Um, take advantage, take advantage of it. And, you know, be aware also that that will kind of send you in the direction of checking out the Living Joyful Courage membership program because this month is March and March 25th registration opens so the last three months, I've been working with some incredible parents who are really diving into the work of positive discipline and the work of joyful courage. And it has become a really tight community of people who are on the journey, right? Who are really dedicated to this journey of growing ourselves while we raise our kids. So yeah. So we've had the three months and it's been closed, right? And so now the registration is going to open for new members and then it'll close again for the next three months and then open again. The reason that I do that is a lot of the work is scaffolded and popping in in the middle is a little, you know, discombobulating for members and for new people. So I, I'm really excited to start with an expanded group of people in April. Cause you know, everybody that's in the membership now so far is planning on staying or most everybody is planning on carrying on because it's made such an impact. In fact, one of the members recently mentioned to me how grateful she was that I created this year long program so that there's all this spaciousness around practicing, around support, around celebration, so that the parents, the participants can really, really, really be in this learning and in this growing and in this practicing. And there's not that, that frantic, desperate feeling of like, oh gosh, I only have another week and I haven't practiced that. 
that has really been eliminated because we've increased the timeline and they all know, wow, I'm, I'm in this for the marathon, not the sprint. So I would love for you to check it out. Check it out. And the way that you can check it out, if you're interested in uh, finding out more, you can go over to the Joyful Courage website and in the little navigation bar, you will see Living JC. Or you can simply, if you need the address, it's joyfulcourage.com slash living dash JC. And that will take you to a page with more information. And you can sign up for the information list. And what that does is I will just send you little reminders like registration's coming. I'm so excited so that you know when that window opens. I'm also going to send out a few little freebies for people on the list as we get closer. All right. So I wanted to tell you about that. So, so excited. And if you ever have any questions about anything that I offer or anything that I share or anything in general, if you're interested in coaching and working one-on-one with me, always, always, always shoot me an email, Casey at joyfulcourage.com. I respond. I respond. I don't have an assistant (laughs) yet. I don't have an assistant. So I am responding to all of my emails and I love hearing from my listeners. So suggestions, feedback, questions, all of it is valid. And, um, you could shoot me an email about it. All right. And don't forget March, we'll have another giveaway. I'll do another giveaway at the end of the month. Last month, I gave away some coaching. And this month, I'm not really sure what I'm going to be giving away this month. But the way to enter the giveaway is to to share the podcast. So if you're sharing the podcast, if you tag me or you tag Joyful Courage, I will see it. And your name will be put into the giveaway pile. And that's really exciting because you can enter as many times as you want. You can share across the land. That would be fantastic. And you know, that could be your part of impacting 1 million kids, right? Can't do it alone. Humongous love to each and every one of you. Excited because next week on the podcast is Sean Fink, the Abundant Mama. If you don't know who Sean Fink is... You need to check her out. The Abundant Mama Project. She does really awesome work and I can't wait to share our interview with you. All right. So peace out, my friends. Have a beautiful, beautiful week. Take care of yourself. Look for self-care every single day. I love you so much. Love on those kids and I'll see you soon. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.